0: This is Mike Williams. You listening to Roster Watch.
1: Ladies and gentlemen, Rosterwatch Nation, welcome back to the epic Roster Watch podcast brought to you by Rosterwatch.com and by Underdog Fantasy. We can use promo code Roster right now with your first sign up to get up to $100 of free money uh, uh, as far as a deposit bonus, a 100% deposit bonus up to $100. We're talking a lot about best ball today and especially that tournament over at underdog with our guest you know him very well from the the take cast from the sports grip dance football podcast he's been on this podcast numerous times before he's been on the sirius xm radio show with us he is davis matic you know him well from the twitter <laughs> you know him well from the twitter verse where he's always getting into trouble at davis matic m-a-t-t-e-k davis what the hell's going on brother hey man you know we are we are
2: uh just trying to stay safe and sane out here you know we got we got a a bear market in in the world we got best ball summer it's you know 100 degrees outside every day here so i'm losing my mind outside you know we're, we're just doing our best
1: out here dude it's tough here too man we got this i we nobody likes weather talk man but we we have this high pressure system sitting over texas right now where it's like even if it wanted to rain, like like rain couldn't come in and it's like 106, 107 degrees every single day, dude. Just absolutely brutal. We'll get through it though, man. We'll get through it. And like you said, hot, hot, steamy best ball summer we have going on. Before I want to get to that though, like I always love to have you on too, because I gotta get your, your thoughts on, on, on crypto. You're always on top of the world, whatever crypto is going big right now. Things are bad. Last last time I looked, Bitcoin. What is it today? Is it like, is it that 21K, something 21.5, something like that? I, I, I've even looked at my Ethereum. Um, what are your general thoughts about what are your general thoughts about the the crypto market right now? And my question to you would be, um, if, if somebody were to ask you right now, if. They were going to you know if they were going to take some money and invest it into their no 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 investment advice given no to, no, no financial or advice or by or or, or by roster watch at all but just as far as the, how, how you think about things going forward do, like are, are you would you want to put money into bitcoin or put it into ethereum right now because my here i'll just tell you my take i know that there's lots of these random coins out there that are just such shitty scammy coins right right but it does feel like there are some projects out there that are built on the built on a ethereum that I do think are really cool. Like we talked before about the basic attention stuff with what, like with the bat, with the right. rave browser, stuff like that. There are projects like that where I can see legitimate use cases for Ethereum, where it's like, if, if someone were to go bust with that, or if that ecosystem weren't to exist, none of these other cool attached things would exist. And so it makes it makes me think that Ethereum could be a smart buy at these depressed prices. Um, but I'd be interested to hear what you, what you think. Like, if you, like I know you're, you're such a big Bitcoin fan um, clearly, I, I know very little about crypto, so I was just kind of interested to hear your your take on it. It's sort of as I'm sort of like an outside observer that just kind of dabbles.
2: Yeah, I mean, I I can just give my my skin in the game answer, which I think is is uh, good. When you ask someone a question about their money, I think there's definitely a difference between what they say people should do and what they are doing. <laughs> uh, so so what what I do is what I've been doing for for years and years, which is I buy. Uh, a small amount of bitcoin every single week i have uh my my automated buys go through on sunday afternoon and uh i would never sell i just leave it i i sit it there i move it over to a a a cold wallet and it sits there and it sits there and it sits there and it's going to keep sitting there for a long time uh in terms of like timing the bottom I mean, until the until the Fed does whatever they're going to do with the interest rates, like the, the markets are just going to keep being bloody in general. And I I certainly do not envy the um, I do not envy the position of the Federal Reserve right now, trying to both combat inflation and a recession at the same time. Seems really difficult to me. Uh, and and I, I think in the end, Bitcoin will win. That's kind of what I've always thought. Now, Ethereum, uh, I you know the interesting thing about Ethereum is that. There's a lot of cool stuff you can build on it. A lot of applications. Um, I, I think we're definitely coming to the tail end of uh, building season. Uh, you know, it's just a lot less interesting to build on a project that's trading at nine hundred dollars and people are are not wanting to buy it and people are not wanting to transact inside that ecosystem, but if and when we get another bull crypto market 2 years from now, 18 months from now, whenever, i think there'll be a lot of interesting stuff built on on ethereum again. I don't i don't hate ethereum the way that a lot of people who really love bitcoin do, but i i definitely am of the opinion like you know there is no second best there is no replacement for what bitcoin is in my opinion
1: so all right so you love bitcoin you're always a bitcoin maximalist you're just going to you're just going to come on here and talk your bag i completely get it but but like but just from from the perspective of somebody who um from anybody that might want to get in or anybody who says like well jesus i've seen these crashes before and they happen and then there's always eventually a bull run and why didn't i why didn't i get in on this part of the cycle last time you know um right. like if you're gonna be buying and you want to buy on Coinbase, is it do you like is somebody that just knows this stuff, like is Coinbase in these places or like or like an uphold wallet or any of these kind of like are these online marketplaces are, are these places safe and secure as far as storing your crypto? No. Is- no.
2: No, I would not I would not I would not leave my crypto on any exchange. I mean, even like we've seen the I mean, we've seen exchanges get liquidated during this time frame. Like BlockFi is like out of money, Celsius is not letting you withdraw. It is it is definitely not safe. Now Coinbase, I Coinbase and Kraken um and Gemini probably are about as safe as it gets. Like I would be super surprised if Coinbase ever had to like stop uh limiting withdrawals right but it's in the realm of possibility right like a, a vault like maybe it's 0.05% or whatever but it, it's definitely possible. And I mean, we've already seen these places are they're let you know, Coinbase is laying off a bunch of employees. They they are they overextended themselves when the money was good and they are are getting, you know, kind of margin wiped. So it's 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 definitely not hundred percent
1: safe. Yeah, and but, and so what you have to do is then you have to you have to just do all this stuff where you memorize the keys and you send it to a new wallet and just all this all this stuff like that i mean i don't know it's just is like like how how hard is all that for somebody that's just that's just starting
2: it's it's not very hard it's not very hard you it, it's it's not any it's not any more difficult than you know having a password manager or whatever you just got to make sure you have it everything like you know all written down and uh in track somewhere but uh, it's not it's not as it is harder than having like a chase bank account but not nearly as hard as, you know, kind of people kind of make it, make it seem it's, it's not that daunting.
1: Okay. So I I have a a couple more just overriding questions for Davis here. We know that Davis is such a deep thinker. Then I'm going to get into the, then I'm going to get into just the pure fantasy football stuff. Uh, Wanted to ask you, because I know it's sports grid. I know with a a lot of people, I mean, us at roster watch certainly with the props and a bunch of the stuff on the fantasy sports channel, that's been kind of, focusing a little bit more on the sports betting content, you know, kind of as a, as a new vertical that people are looking at within their companies that, you know, because, you know, in fantasy, we have these tools that we use, which can, can be really, they could be really helpful and good, you know, for, for um, you would think for sports betting. But when I just look at sports betting, I just wonder, can, can do you think the sports betting advice can ever be as actionable and as, as, as good as, as the, as the fantasy advice that, That fantasy companies give. And my my reason for asking is this. It's like, I feel like giving the sports betting advice is almost like giving it weekly is almost like giving like sit start advice. Like, do I start this guy? Do I start this guy? Which to me is a lot, always a lot harder to answer than just to help people with the you know help help you draft the best team, help you use the cheat sheet, make sure you got the best team, make sure you're in the good position to choose, have good choices within right that that framework, to make sure you're managing your team correctly, make sure you're picking up the right guys on the waiver wire and stuff like that. I, I feel like with the sports betting content, it's like every single time you're having to answer the hardest question in fantasy, which is just the sit start, which is such a week to week variable thing. Right. I would, I'd like I'd just I'd like to hear your take on it and, and whether you. Think Think that the advice for sports betting can ever be as actionable and, and as good using these various tools as as, as it is for fantasy.
2: You know, it, it's kind of um it's definitely a different style of advice because, like, so there the one style is the super intense, you give the line out in a Discord or a Slack channel or whatever, you at everyone and you say, We all gotta go bet this right now at the exact same time <laughs> yeah, yeah. because we're gonna move the line. Or your account is going to get limited, right? And and there are companies and groups of people that are having success with that. Um, you know, our uh, our friends that Establish the run do that uh, at uh, four for four Spurts, They're they're doing things like that. Um, then there's you know kind of the data golf model where they just have their numbers. You know, they say Matthew Fitzpatrick is twenty seven to one to win this golf tournament. That's the good number. So if he's twenty eight to one, you bet it. If he's twenty five to one you don't bet it. I think that's probably the model. I, that's the model I use the most in terms of like content that I'm taking, where you tell me what the number is. Don't give me the the how or the why you just say, this is the number. And I have to trust that your math is good or that it's not good. And I have the, the ability, you know, myself to do, uh, what I want with that information. And then the third type is sports infotainment, which is kind of what I do. As a professional, which is you tune into my show and I'm like, yeah, you know, I kind of lean like this Mm -hmm. is a good number, like I kind of feel that this is good, or you know, this series price feels off to me because of X, Y, and Z, or uh George Pickens is a good offensive rookie of the year selection because it's not pricing in X, Y, or Z or whatever, which is uh which is actually what I think most people want, which is not super serious, super profit driven, but just a way to make kind of watching sports a little bit more enjoyable.
1: But but you think that sports infotainment stuff is more comes in more on the props than on the sides and the totals, right? More on the future. Oh, props,
2: hundred percent, yeah. Because cool. I think I think we're now at a point in sports betting where most people are a, maybe not most people, but people who are pretty plugged in realize that the numbers to beat are like pretty difficult, right? Like like most people oh, know yeah. betting betting sides and totals is is just a hard like. No one's really doing that to make a living, right? And I think most people realize that mm-hmm. by now.
1: Yeah, well, I mean, some some, people, some of these dudes will claim that they that they make a living at it all the time. So, right, I, right. I, and, and for me, it's always the age old thing. It's like, well, I mean, if you're making a living doing it, why are you asking me to pay pay you for your pigs? Like, why not just go make a living doing this, right? Right. So, um, yeah. So, just one of the things that I've kind of wondered about. I know that you're a content creator in this space. It's something I've just been kicking around in my head about, you know, the best way to handle the. Sports betting content, and I kind of like it from your standpoint of, you know, a lot of it is just kind of enter- – it's like the information along with the entertainment can help people. You know, you kind of lead, lead a horse to water, but try not to – try not to put yourself out. You're like one of these douchebags with the five-star epic locks or whatever like that. Right. Um, okay, so let's talk fantasy. I've been doing some uh, – I've been doing some redraft simulations using the early uh, ADPs from ESPN – and Yahoo, CBS Sports, RT Sports, any football calculator, Sleeper, some, like, not underdog, right? Right. And, dude, and the ADPs are just so much, it's so much different. People are drafting so much differently. Have you noticed this at all? Have you started doing any early kind of redraft sims? And if so, my main question is, are you going to be taking any of this stuff from the underdog drafts and taking that with you into redraft season? Because it's like, for me, the, I mean, just for, for an example of, of something that, that sticks out. You can get Jamar Chase at, like, pick – Jamar Chase and Justin Jefferson at redraft picks at, like, pick 10, you right. know, something like that. And that, that just would never happen in an underdog. Um, do you, what are you thinking as far as that dichotomy? And is, is there anything that you'll take from the underdog streets to be able to help you in, in redraft?
2: Well, there, you know, there are a couple big differences. I mean, the, the first one being quarterbacks are going to be pushed up, but quarterbacks and tight ends are going to be pushed up in best ball because you need two of them, sometimes even three of them. So that has a pretty big impact on ADP. Like that's one of the big changes for me. You know, when we start drafting the FFPC main event and stuff is that the, the, the elite tier of quarterbacks, you know, Josh Allen, Mahomes, Herbert, Lamar, they'll, they'll be pretty consistent, but the second tier of guys, your, your Derek cars, your Kirk cousins is those guys are going to go much later. Uh, in terms of like, you know, the ESPN leagues and the Yahoo leagues, mm-hmm. it's like that. That's just a different game than the game that I play. You know what I mean? Because yeah. I, I don't even, I, I really only have one self-contained home league that's done with players who are like, you know, they're just dudes. They're just my buddies from high school and college or whatever. Now I, of course I, I recognize that a lot of people that listen to this show that listen to my show, they are playing, in those types of leagues. And I, I do my best, you know, to like uh, Matthew Barry always does a great way of, of explaining this, which you know, people complain about uh, the ESPN fantasy focus show or whatever. And he's like, guys, you know, I'm, I'm not, the, the show is not really made for super serious grinding five thousand dollars ten thousand dollars worth of the leagues guy. It's, it's made for the guy who wants a, a 30 minute catch up on what's going on in fantasy football so he doesn't suck in his fantasy league and I, I think that's really important to make content for that guy so I just think I just think you need to address both of those things you know when you're talking about waiver wire stuff like don't assume that the third running back on the Kansas City chief is owned in you know every 12 team league or whatever.
1: The 2022 Rosterwatch Cheat Sheet is available now at Rosterwatch.com. The revolutionary cheat sheet that changed fantasy football forever is back only at Rosterwatch.com. Winning fantasy players don't use outdated magazines or expensive draft software that's impossible to navigate. The Rosterwatch Cheat Sheet. All you have to do is follow the three simple rules. That's it. Three rules. Guys, it couldn't be easier. The Rosterwatch Cheat Sheet. An expert quality draft is always guaranteed. The Rosterwatch Cheat Sheet. It's only at rosterwatch.com.
0: At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place by working more efficiently, by using more sustainable practices, by developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success.
1: Yeah. But, and then I would, I would just also say, you know, with the whole thing, it's like, you know, people say things, people say stuff like, I don't know, we just get to this time of year where people are just dying for takes and people say, like, well, late round quarterback's dead. And to me, like, as I'm doing these simulations, it's like, yeah, well yeah on, on underdog late round quarterbacks dead because like you said everybody needs two or three of them but dude like guys like Derek Carr I mean they're they're these players who are falling to the 13th round of these drafts that like the super sharp underdog guys would never ever let happen dude you know Derek Carr will always falls Kirk Cousins always falls like so, you know to the very end of these drafts so it's um it's just a couple of things that I've just I've really noticed also just as far as the running as far as the Running backs, people are just in redraft, people are back to just gobbling up running backs. There's there's none of this stuff with the early wide receivers. It just didn't ha- it's just it's it's really interesting to have to go back from one to the other when you're making a cheat sheet with these and and you know, figure out the way that these drafts are gonna fall and where, where you can find value. Do you do you do you find value right now in, in Josh Jacobs with all the hate that he's been getting? Because there's been the report from Vic Tafer that they're going to have a committee approach. They didn't pick up the, the new, uh, the new admin or I guess the new regime didn't pick up the, um, the fit, the fifth year option for Josh Jacobs. Uh, it felt like the writing might be on the wall that that backfield could be getting sort of Patriots but now we're seeing his ADP just fall so greatly. And it's a dude who actually, as far as games he's busted for you over the past two years, he's one of the best in the league as far as getting you at least 10 points in PPR. What do you think about Josh Jacobs?
2: Yeah, not not interested at all in redraft leagues, uh, in in the FFPC, in your ESPN leagues, your Yahoo leagues, or whatever. I mean, he is he is. Uh, they the Kenyon Drake is there. Uh, they signed Brandon Bolden. They draft Samir White. Uh, they're also probably, I would imagine with the addition of Devonte Adams going to be less interested in throwing to the running backs for, for even for an offense that does has not thrown to the running backs all that often. They have, they have arguably three guys who are all going to demand. I, I would assume Renfro Waller and Adams are going to combine for 65%, maybe even greater than mm-hmm. that of the yeah. team's total targets. So you got a small pie. You have a guy who hasn't really played on third downs much in his career. I, he had the six receptions in the opening game against Carolina this last year, and we thought, oh, you know, maybe, <laughs> maybe, it's, yeah. yeah, maybe it's going to happen. Uh, so that type of guy is really not very valuable, you know, in in seasonal managed leagues. But actually, that guy is valuable in best ball leagues because of how he fits with roster construction. Where, I mean, you to get to 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 advance, I mean, you might just need a guy who's going to grind out. 13 and a half, 14 points a week. And I, I feel pretty confident Jacobs should be in that range. I, I think he has no league-winning upside unless he runs into 20 touchdowns somehow, which I, I guess he could do if the Raiders are just really good. I mean, like if the Raiders are super wheels up, you know, top five scoring team in the NFL with the addition of Adams, maybe. But I just – I don't feel – uh, I, I, I feel like that's a very slim part of the, of
1: the, the range of outcomes. Josh Jacobs, if you just look at it, he's busted for you. And, and at least in PPR, he's busted for you only 12.9%. So gotten you less than 10 points, only 12.9% of the time. You feel yes. like guys like Aaron Jones, even mixing all these guys, these guys are all 20% guys. I mean, Najee Harris and Derek Henry. Would would bust like twenty five percent of the time? So it's I mean Josh Jacobs has actually been pretty sta- He doesn't have those big monster games, but he he really busts for you. So I do like that as far as you know because he is one of these guys that's going in that sort of running back dead zone. Like is it, is he one of the guys you like most in that dead zone? Is there, a, is there a dead zone running back that you actually like right now? One of those kind of rounds, say three through seven types of types of runners as far as underdog ADP.
2: I mean, I definitely do like Travis Etienne. Um, so right now, Travis Etienne is going as the running back, seventeen, just ahead of Cam Akers, Brees Hall, and David Montgomery. Uh, I mean, he he to me has they, it's it's again, it's pretty thin. But if the Jaguars do the combination of improve and use Etienne strictly as like not strictly, but but just as uh, eight, like, I think he could get eighty targets this season. Oh um, dude, yes. And and Brees Hall. I mean, Brees Hall. You, I mean,
1: do do you remember what a good what a good receiver he was? He was so good. Like, yeah. yeah.
2: Yeah, he was so good and he was so good with this quarterback. Um, and we've seen, you know, obviously in this Doug Peterson offense, we've seen massive running back seasons. And uh James Robinson still has not returned to minicamp, still not running. So that's that's pretty positive for him. And then I I I can't believe I, I've landed here, but it's gotta be Brees Hall and David Montgomery. Brees Hall, if the Jets are good, which I, I think there is a chance of that happening, and then Montgomery just has like no competition for touches at all, and the the Bears are probably going to be bad. But if they're bad and he gets twenty two touches a game, I I mean, like I would I I would probably I I would probably take David Montgomery ahead of Ezekiel Elliott, who is going like twenty picks ahead of him.
1: I just yeah man, David Montgomery. If you just look at his, I, I know I, I just I just have the same tool pulled up because I wanted to look at the Jonathan Taylor bust stuff. But if you look at the scoring, or I'm not not the Jonathan Taylor who the the bust stuff with um who who was who was I mentioning with the low bust rate earlier? It was Josh Josh Jacobs. Yeah. But whenever whenever on this same tool, if you just look at the amount of monster games. David Montgomery has had basically the same number of the same percentage of monster games over the course of the last 2 years as as Jonathan Taylor. Both of them get you over 20 points in standard or over 25 points in PPR 25% of the time. It's like he's like David Montgomery has a good scoring profile and there's nothing that's really changed this year as far as any comp- competition unless you count in a step up from Khalil Herbert, which I guess is something that, you know, we, we, we probably should maybe think about has the dead zone has the whole thing, you know, people were completely avoiding these guys before this year. doesn't seem like people are avoiding them as, as much as the whole dead zone narrative, jumped the shark. Finally, you think, is, is that kind of where we are with it?
2: No, I mean, it's, it's still pretty real. The, I think the difference is that the market uh, four years ago, still would have been drafting Ezekiel Elliott in the second round, still would have been drafting David Montgomery in the second. Third round would have been drafting Josh Jacobs pretty high. And the market has has kind of switched on that front where we're drafting guys like Cortland Sutton, Jerry Judy, Allen Robinson, DK Metcalf, Gabriel Davis, uh, just a lot higher. You know, Gabriel Davis, had he had the season he had last year, five years ago, he still would not have been, you know, a top 60 pick in Redraft leagues, but I mean, he definitely deserves it. So it's just I I think like a lot of things in the world, you know, the markets just get better over time as they get more information, and the information out there for fantasy football is so good right now.
1: Gabriel Davis, speaking of information coming out, the news I was reading on World of World this morning, the reports coming out that he's looking like the best running mate that Stephon Diggs has, has had yet in Buffalo. It's looking like things are really looking up for him. uh He's a guy who's sort of a mover right now up, but it feels like Traylon Burks has been a mover down the report coming out today it looks like he's behind (laughs) Nick Westbrook Akina um what what do you think are you buying the are are you are you buying all the Traylon Burks hate uh what do you what do you think I mean is I mean is is he a one-for-one replacement for AJ AJ Brown how do you see this thing playing out with 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 Traylon in Tennessee He's, he's definitely kind of a divisive figure
2: Um, I mean, I definitely don't, I definitely don't buy the hate. I, I really liked Burks coming out of Arkansas. I think he's a really good player. I was definitely surprised. I I would have paid AJ Brown that money if I was the decision maker for the Tennessee Titans. Like no, no doubt about that for me. I think AJ Brown is, is phenomenal. Like a, a guy you can build around, but I think the Titans are just going to have to be more pass-heavy than they've been in years past. Uh, their their offensive line is not very good. Their defense is bad. Their division should be more competitive this year with the Jaguars improving, the Colts getting a better quarterback, and even even the Texans are not. Uh, they're definitely not as bad as the market anticipated they were going to be last year, playing in more competitive games than the market anticipated. Like Davis Mills is just a little bit better, mm-hmm. and Derek Henry is now twenty nine coming off of this foot injury he looked horrible in their playoff game i i, I would be pretty surprised to see derrick henry hold up to you know 350 carries 25 carries a game type stuff and burks it seems like the the best slot wide receiver on their roster those are easier throws to make easier plays to call um, so i i am i if there is a dip on trail on burks uh, I will. I will definitely be buying it. Oh, there's,
1: there's, there's, there's going to be a dip after this news that he's that he's running behind Nick Westbrook-Akina. People are he's gonna, pe- people are gonna get a little bit goosey about taking him for sure. He's certainly gonna be moving down below. Like uh, here, here's here's three guys that we were having a hard time with. We were on our text chain yesterday with with my two other with trash being a buyer and our two other co-founders here at roster watch and talking about these guys. And we all three had different answers about where to rank these players who are a little bit going a little bit before Traylon Burks uh, and a little bit before Drake London and some of the other rookies. But it's, I I would like to hear how you rank these three for half point PPR underdog stuff. Yeah. Brandon cooks, Cortland Sutton, Marquise Brown. Again, between us three guys that use the same tools and think about things the same way, we all three had different answers and reasons why. Uh, I'm just, I'm so. It feels to me like it's a pretty close little little cluster. What What do you think between between those three guys, Cooks, Sutton, and and Hollywood?
2: Um, I mean, I, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go the. Bo- <laughs> I see that
1: OU. I see the OU. <laughs> I'm
2: just gonna go the boring answer. I, I have them. I have them. You know the way ADP goes. I would have. Well, actually, uh, Sutton might go ahead of Hollywood, but I have I have Hollywood. Sutton and then uh Brandon Cook so so one Kyler before he gets hurt every year and like about week eight week nine is the first time he's gonna get hurt the guy is like unbelievable I mean he is pinpoint accurate maybe the best deep ball thrower in the NFL they have tried to add tools for him right Andy Isabella didn't mm-hmm. work Rondell Moore didn't really work. He only ran like 290 routes. Incomplete, tra- in- incomplete, incomplete, I mean, incomplete. Rondale. I love, I love Rondale. Yeah, they yeah. just haven't, they haven't figured it out yet, right? Yeah, he had the yeah. lowest a dot in the NFL, like four yards lower than Cole Beasley. Hopkins absolutely tore it up for the first, I, I think, eleven games of his Cardinals career. Then he got hurt and uh, looked bad last year. Before he, I think, he ended up missing what, like, nine games with that hamstring injury. They add AJ Green who like, I mean, you know, whatever, they add Zach Ertz again, like whatever, he's, mm-hmm. he's Zach, it's Zach Ertz and AJ Green. What do you want them to do? But Kyler to me is like incredible, and I we've seen glimpses of it. It's It's, it's been stops and starts. I don't think Cliff is a very good coach. That definitely plays into all of this. I mean, they just run a, a very close to the line of scrimmage offense. But Hollywood – on a per-target basis, he just never got targeted that much. I mean, the Ravens never threw more than four hundred times in a season uh, when he was on the field, right? So, like mm-hmm. that's a that's a big problem in terms of volume. But I I think I if, if you're looking at guys here, Brown, Sutton, Cooks, who can realistically go in the second round next year? I mean, it's totally Hollywood, right? Because Hopkins is suspended, incomplete grade on Rondale. A.J. Green, Andy Isabella, Antoine Wesley, Zach Ertz, Trey McBride, like just a lot of guys who are not going to command a high target share, uh, even if things go well for them.
1: Do so you, that's do how you, I see it. Do you think Marquise Brown's a better player than, than um, Rashad Bateman? I know that they are different kinds of players. But...
2: So I, think, I think that Bateman is the better – you can ask him to do anything – and he can do it. He could be a slot wide receiver, he could be a boundary wide receiver, he could be the flanker, he could run nine routes, he can beat press coverage, he can he can catch contested passes. But so this this is a weird way to explain this, but the one thing Hollywood can do, which is create separation down the field against any player he might be the best at that of anyone who's like, let's say 25 or younger. You know, he might be better at, he might be better than Jamar Chase at getting away from a safety 30 yards down the field. I mean, he's so good at that. So I think Bateman is like, the better all around ask him to do anything and he can plug the hole. But the one thing that Hollywood can do is like the most non-replaceable skill set amongst wide receivers. I, I like
1: that. That's a, that's a good nuanced answer. He is of course, Davis Matic. You can find him on Twitter at Davis Matic. You can hear the take cast that's spelled T a E K cast. And then also the sports grid fantasy football podcast. We can hear all of his content over there, but just make sure to follow him on Twitter. He'll make sure and tweet out everything that- Everything he's doing, even some shit you probably don't even want to hear from him about, sure. <laughs> you're definitely gonna gonna get it. All right, Davis. Two more questions before I get you out of here, brother. These are the toughest ones. Um, the single player you are positive is going too late in early best ball and redraft league. So this is a player who you're absolutely sure is going to be a steal. Ramondre Stevenson for the
2: Patriots. You're start. You're sure. You're sure. Start. Hundred <laughs> percent. Starting. Starting. Starting to sound like James White is going to start the season on the pup list. So the options for passing down back in New England are Pierre Strong, who is a fourth round rookie pick, Ramadre Stevenson, uh, Kevin Harris, who is a sixth round pick, or for uh, uh, Damian Harris has never I, I, can't remember the exact set. It's either that he's never had more than three targets in a game or he's only had three or more targets in a game once. I can't, I'd have to go look it up, dude. But basically they're it's not, something throwing, like that. They're, they're you not throwing the, the ball game. to Damian <laughs> Harris. Yeah. They're, they're not doing it. And Ramondre did play in that role last year. I guess they could also have JJ Taylor do it, but basically I think Ramondre is the best runner on the roster anyway. And he seems to have the best skill set of playing on third downs of the guys that they have available until James White gets back. And the Patriots offense should be decent because they have a lot of decent players, not great players. And Bill Jack's a good coach and Mac Jones is like fine at executing the offense. And Ramondre seems to be the best of those guys. Like I I just it just feels like it's all lining up for him to get like 195 carries, uh 850 rushing yards. But like if he if he wins the goal line work over Damian Harris. I mean, he could just like, we, we know when a Patriots backfield really wins their role, who, I mean, go like, go down the line. Right. I mean, you could, you could name 20 guys, Rex Burkhead, Shane Vereen, Corey Dillon, uh, Steven Ridley, like it literally doesn't matter. And,
1: And
2: it doesn't even matter what the role it is, but when the guy wins his part of the backfield and doesn't split it with anyone, they just crush, and I think Ramondre. I think Ramondre can do it, and I know he went to Oklahoma, so might be a little bit of a biased answer there. But he's the guy who I'm just <laughs> like, this guy's going at running back 39, and like he could he could just be such a smash.
1: Okay, so I guarantee you this won't be an, an Oklahoma player. You, you, you answer for, for for this one. The final the final uh, question for Davis Maddock here at Davis Maddock on Twitter. The single player you're positive is going too early. In early best ball and region leagues. This is the, this is the player who you're most sure of any player in all the sport that is surely going to bust. So I
2: got, I got two answers here. I'm trying to decide which one to go with. I'm going to go with the more controversial one. Cause it's good. Okay. It's good. It's it's good radio. I don't see any way that Keenan Allen and Mike Williams both pay off going at wide receiver 12 and at wide receiver 13 and it could be, uh, like, there's just not enough ball to go around for those guys, I, I don't think. I mean, Herbert would have to throw a lot of touchdowns, like 50 touchdowns or something for them both to get there. I mean, going ahead of Pittman, Hollywood, Waddle, DJ Moore, the the Denver guys, like, it's, it's just insane to me. And now, if Mike Williams, if his role changes from last season and the seasons before, if he becomes, a, if they just let him run a more complete route tree, then I think he smashes Keenan Allen. I think he's. I think he goes absolutely ballistic, and I think Keenan is the one who busts. But if if Mike Williams, if his route tree doesn't change, then I think Keenan is fine. Basically, you know, gets his uh, 90 catches, 1,000 yards, and eight touchdowns or whatever. But I just, I, I will say, I think it's very, very slim that those two guys going at the tail end of the second round, beginning of the third round, I don't think they'll both pay off.